Generally, when it comes to positive news, there's really two vantage points or two ways of looking at it. There's the view of seeing it from where we were. And then there's the view of seeing it of where we need to be. Mm -hmm. And that kind of determines whether you see the news of more companies offering four and five percent increases as a positive thing versus like it's still not enough. Right. We're choosing to see it as a positive thing because the reality is we've known that wages haven't kept track with inflation for over 40 years. Right. right? (laughs) That's what we talk about all the time. We use that as a catalyst for entrepreneurship or starting a side hustle because we bring it up to to people like your wages aren't going to keep up with your lifestyle. But if you had asked me a year ago whether I could see companies inching up that merit increase from one and a half, two percent, I would have said absolutely not. Like yeah. I just did not see this coming. Welcome to the Rich and Regular podcast presented by Success, where we explore life at the intersection of money. I'm Kirsten. And I'm Julian. And today we're going positive. Yes. We're going to talk about some of the positive trends we're seeing in the world of money. Yes. Yeah. Shout out to positivity. Positivity. I'm going to try. Use it. Yeah. We this is not it. my natural state, <laughs> but I, I will try uh, because I know it's it's needed. Uh, so this episode is actually dropping on Memorial Day. So we hope you guys are spending the day with your loved ones and reflecting. Hopefully you're not burning anything on the grill that you're focused on. <laughs> some people like a little char. You know, a little char is okay, but... Um, Full char is yeah, questionable. Yeah, some folks, you know, they, they get getting away with <laughs> That's just burnt. There's a fine line. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I know the news has been really gloomy lately, mm-hmm. um, and there's been a lot of bad news just kind of seems like it's coming from every direction, so we were hoping we could drop some positive vibes on you guys, and hopefully you can share it with uh, your loved ones. Yeah, yeah, y'all know I love positivity. And to your point, we could all use a bit of happy news these days. So before we jump in, I actually want to share some happy news ourselves. No, I am not pregnant, but (laughs) no, I am not pregnant. But we do want to say thank you to our listeners because we just reached a million downloads. Now, if you're not a podcaster, you may not know the significance of this metric, but basically it's a milestone that kind of highlights that your podcast is healthy and that people like it and are listening to it. And it's kind of right up there with ratings and reviews and just general engagement. So again, thank you to all of you who are listening. We love you. We appreciate you tolerating all my begging at the end of the episode. (laughs) All of our rants and rambles and Julian's corny jokes and excessive mm-hmm. food metaphors mm-hmm. and just general it's like the best part negative of the podcast, attitude. But <laughs> okay. But no, seriously, man, it, it's a huge accomplishment. And so thank you to all of our listeners, subscribers, all of the people who uh, listen but aren't subscribers. I don't care. Like, right. you know, thank you to all of you. I hope you do feel bad about yourself if you are listening. <laughs> And, um, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Go ahead and subscribe and <laughs> add to the positive vibes. Um, it's been really interesting. I've also learned a lot. Like, you know, we do a lot. We do blogging, writing, uh, video production. Uh, the podcast is one of several things that we do. Uh, and I've learned a lot. Um, I'll, I'll share three things that I've learned, uh, and then I'll ask you, see what you've learned. Yeah. Uh, first thing I've learned uh, are my own speech patterns. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think a lot of people get the opportunity to listen to recordings of themselves. Oh, gosh. And so if you don't get that, you don't really know what you sound like. I think most people generally just hate the way that their voice sounds. I was the same way. Yeah. I still kind of don't like do. the way. It's hard, <laughs> yeah. but you get used to it. And I think you start to 
identify your your own speech patterns, which kind of makes you a little you know nervous, but <laughs> it's, it's kind of fun at the same time. Uh, the second thing I've I've really come to learn, but more so appreciate, is the intimacy of the relationship that you have mm-hmm. with listeners. Like when I think about when I listen to podcasts and where I am, right? I might be riding my bike and I'm free for an hour or I'm on a treadmill or I'm cooking and I'm just zoned out. Like it's really cool to know that like there are people doing that right now listening mm-hmm. to us and we kind of feel like we're a part of their life. And yeah, so that's like really, we have a little inside joke running. We do. Yeah. We do. We can just keep on going, right? And they'll know, oh, here he goes again. Because, <laughs> right? you know, you've got to be, we're, we're friends yeah. at this point. Um, but I think the last thing is just like how impactful podcasting can be, right? Like it's very similar to a book or anything that people come across where they learn something um, at a particular moment. And we know that that happens pretty much every single time mm-hmm. we record. There's someone out there, they've learned something that either helped them solve a problem or helped to spark interest in something that has a potential to have a positive impact on their financial life. And so to know that we get to be a part of that, I think is is pretty cool. Yeah. What about you? What have you learned? Um, I think I think like you, I've learned how when you don't have a visual in front of you, how subtle the audio and kind of nonverbal communication is. Yeah. The fact that our audience is able to pick up what we put down mm-hmm. <laughs> several times without us having to go into excessive definitions and pull out the full investopedia. Like we're just able to communicate in a new way. Yeah. And I think that reflects how 21st century learning is going to take place. Yeah. Like gone are the days where you can publish a textbook and it be in rotation for 10 years and everything in it just be relevant. People are going to continue to learn in real time as people are reacting to news and trends and, you know, just general circumstances. And I think that's a good thing. I think it'll be I think it'll be welcomed. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's jump into uh, some of the positive stuff. Some of the, right. what are the positive things that we're seeing in uh, the financial world these days. I will go first. Okay. So the first positive trend that I'm seeing is around giving and philanthropy. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to note that we're seeing this at all levels. I'm going to start with the billionaires because I'm just really proud to see billionaires, especially women who are billionaires, doing something different than their male counterparts have been doing. So Mackenzie Scott, who is most famously known as Jeff Bezos' ex-wife, but she had a pretty critical role in Amazon's early days. Um, She is a billionaire, and she just made a nine-figure donation to the Boys and Girls Club. Wow. $281 million, which is the largest donation they've ever seen. And this is an organization that's been around like 170 years. Yeah. Shout out to anybody who went to Boys and Girls Club for after school. It's a it's an incredible organization. And so what McKinsey just did was basically make sure that it survives, right? She's using her wealth to make sure that kids have this option after school. And this is on the heels of her making several historic donations to uh, historical historically black colleges and universities, organizations like Planned Parenthood, Habitat for Humanity, like she's just kind of spreading the wealth. Yeah. But like I said, we're also seeing this on the hyper local level with non-billionaires. We haven't done an episode on buy nothing groups, but we should and we will. But I'm in a few around our neighborhood and also just in some general like moms groups on Facebook. And the response that we're seeing to the baby formula shortage has just been incredible. Like moms are going through their pantries, seeing if they have extra, even some old samples that they can share with other moms. 
or even just sharing that, you know, they're in a grocery store and saw a restock. And if you can get there within 15 minutes, right. this, this and that is available. And so at a time where so many people, so many of us are just angry at the inaction of others in power, we're just seeing these generous acts of kindness to yeah. kind of help people from our neighbors. And I just find it really encouraging. Yeah. Um, it's, it might sound weird, but it's like one of the best parts of a crisis, right, is like watching people kind of band together um, and really tap into community to solve some of those problems. I've even seen, like, I'm not in a mom's group, but I've seen quite a few people kind of sharing on social media, like, hey, just pass this store, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and it's, you know, they've got this thing for anyone who needs it. I, I'm a, I can go ahead and buy it if you want. Just let me yeah. know. Like, even simple stuff like carpooling. Like, yes. It's, it's coming back. Like, yeah. It's, yeah, it's COVID tests, see. like yes, all those things. Exactly. It's been really, really cool to kind yeah. of see. Um, I, I really love, like, again, not to discredit billionaires. Obviously, I think what Mackenzie Scott is doing, um, and, and she's not the only one, but certainly right. she's one of the mo- more notable um, philanthropists in recent years. But to your point about it also happening on a small level, it, it even reminds me of what we did the other day. One of the things that, not the other day, it was like last year. But um, there was a time where, uh, in the earlier days of the pandemic, where we really wanted to uh, reevaluate our cooking at home. You know, obviously, that's something that's important to us. And we wanted to start saving our money because we were not really sure whether or not, you know, that we would have the ability to go get groceries. Like, you know, very, very, you guys remember some of the empty, mm-hmm. uh, the empty stock shelves uh, situations that, that we would see. And we decided that we would go ahead and buy a chest freezer so that we could cook a little bit more mm-hmm. uh, and store back there. And then we said, you know what, while we're out there, let's go ahead and buy two. And so we bought one for ourselves. We bought one for uh, someone else in need. And we asked our community, like, who should we give this to? And everyone pointed us to uh, this woman named Erica who runs an organization called Umi Feeds. And Umi Feeds, they do several things. And I'm probably going to butcher the actual definition, but basically they are... Um, uh, a food rescue organization. And we just love what they did. And so we ended up buying a freezer for her um, and her organization, which helped her to serve more people. I think she helped like a thousand more families because of it. Mm-hmm. And the number just keeps on going up. And so it's like really, really cool just to see, you know, more and more people looking at it at all levels. And even as we think about our book tour, which we're really excited about, and we'll talk a little bit more about in future episodes, we'll be uh, incorporating more things like that, solving what we call thousand dollar problems uh, as we start to visit some of these different markets around the country um, and meet with the people. So Yeah. I think it just begs the question of, you know, anybody with influence. And I just don't yeah. mean, you know, influencers, like the, the online context. I mean, influence. Like, do you have five people you could call and they would say yes to whatever you ask them? Or do yeah. you participate in a group that meets every week and would they be willing to bring a canned good or sanitary products yeah. or Anything that can be kind of shared and given away. There's just so many people struggling with the basics. And sometimes we need a reminder that even when we are feeling stressed about money, there still might be an opportunity to help someone in the hopes that, you know, if you're ever on the edge, that karmic cosmic energy will be returned to you fourfold. Yeah. 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 I love it. Um, yeah. Goodbye. Buy some crystals for people and start giving them out. 
Crystals. Oh, I was thinking about the burger. <laughs> oh meant, yeah, no. you meant like actual rocks. You started talking about. <laughs> I know. I started going woo woo. Yeah, <laughs> I framed it in though. I didn't. I didn't finish it. Okay. <laughs> well, what's your positive you go ahead trend? And rub on your crystals. <laughs> uh, no, I uh, yeah. So my positive trend that I, that I'm actually really excited about, uh, especially for a lot of folks who uh, might be nervous about a recession and any impact that it may be having on uh, layoffs, is that we're seeing a lot of employees who are like really thinking differently about. How how to attract like qualified employees. So they're really reevaluating employee benefits. And so it's it's common to see companies form like entire departments uh, and hire unique talents to create a product or a service that they think is uh-huh. going to be different. But now they're kind of taking that same approach and making those same kinds of investments to ensure that they're able to attract the right people. Airbnb, for example, just announced a new worldwide flexible work policy. Like they're basically going to be... Um, remote like forever right like huge step forward right they're basically saying nope this isn't going to be a temporary thing doesn't matter if we're post-pandemic you can work from home or in the office it's totally up to you so shout out to airbnb for that you can live anywhere and your compensation won't change which is also huge huge. we know some people who have gotten those jobs and what came with those jobs are a slew of other things like high cost of living in certain areas but now they're saying hey if you work here it doesn't matter where you live you can live in a low Salary is fair wherever. Absolutely. You can go to middle America where Mm -hmm. it's far more affordable and you can still get this San Francisco paycheck because Mm -hmm. you deserve it, which I think is huge and will obviously set the tone for a lot of people. Um, And and I think just do wonders for Airbnb, right? Like even as I'm saying that, I'm thinking like, wow, that's pretty cool. I view them a little differently than I would. So shout out to them. couple other things. You can have the ability to live and work around the world, right? Yeah. So it's not just, you know, in the country. Like, it's pretty much anywhere. Employees are still responsible for getting the proper pay- paperwork and the authorization and all that stuff. But Airbnb is basically partnering with local governments to assist in that process. Again, yeah. they want to attract the best people. And if you're if you one of those people, Brazil? you want to live in Brussels, <laughs> yeah. or doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. To, our, to their point, you can work from home or in the office. You can do a little bit of both. It's totally up to you, yeah. which I think is really, really cool. But Airbnb isn't alone. Um, I'll give a huge shout out to Capital Group. Mm-hmm. Uh, Capital Group is an organization that we've worked with. Uh, they're a financial company. Um, one of the things that they do that I think is remarkable, and we've witnessed it firsthand when we did a speaking engagement with them is they allow their employees to make pledges to organizations and they'll basically fund it. So they have like an allotment that they will give. I don't want to say the number because I don't want to get it wrong, but like it's a sizable sizable. amount of money that if you say, hey, I want to give something to the Boys and Girls Club as a part of my employee benefits, they'll say, okay, you submit it. We'll match it. If it's a valid company, they'll match it. And it's like you as a person will have like a huge impact Mm -hmm. on any local organization, which I think is really, really cool. And it's annual. Annual. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like a floating holiday. Like here's a floating contribution that you can make, um, which, you know, again, like I think back to my years working for employees, like there were days where I was like, I don't, I don't respectfully like yeah. I, I know that this cause is important to the company but it's not really important yeah, to me yeah because I'm, they streamlined it correct but I'm yeah. forced to do it that's fine you know mm-hmm. and I get it but like you know sometimes you kind of want the ability to do things your own way um 
Last thing I'll say around company benefits is we're seeing a lot of companies like Hilton Hotels that are now offering new educational benefits. So employees can earn like education credentials through Guild Education, which is a partnering organization that gives people an opportunity to get like professional certifications and pretty much anything like culinary skills, data analytics, college degrees, like through the partnership with some of those companies, like they can basically upskill, which I think some people have already done, but more often than not, those skill sets are kind of limited and Uh restricted to, let's say, well, if this is what you're working in, this is what I'm willing to pay Uh for. These companies are saying, you know what? That actually doesn't matter anymore. Like, we just want you to work here. You're great. Um, And so, yeah, Guild Education in partnership with Hilton, they also partner with Walmart, Disney, Chipotle, a couple other companies, which I just think is really, really cool. And I just see it as a huge win for workers because more often than not, it's like, all right, I need to reskill and I need to do this secretly. Mm -hmm. or I need to do it like just to kind of appease my manager. And I was like, it doesn't really matter, dude. If you want to learn guitar, you want to learn, you know, culinary arts, even though you're a software engineer or the other way around, totally up to you. They're willing to support it. And I just think it's like really cool. Yeah, I agree. And I think this is important to call out because we did an episode on layoffs a few weeks ago. And while that's still true, there are still companies that are cutting the workforce as a result of lower earnings periods. Yeah. Sometimes it takes a leader in a vertical who, you know, has a bit of an employee focus to create some friendly competition and turn the porch light on and say, you know what, if they don't want you, we do. Yeah. And so we're seeing that in the tech space with Microsoft. Um, they're one example, but there are others. And while a bunch of Microsoft's peers were experiencing these deep cuts and employee compensation was tanking because for a lot of people in tech companies, their salaries are kind of tied to company stock, right? And so if the stock dips, then their checks are smaller. Well, Microsoft announced proactively that they were expecting this and that they were adjusting the pay up for their people almost double. And they were adjusting for the stock you know, declines. And at the time they were the solo company doing this. They were the man in the arena going bold and saying like, we're going to take care of our employees. We know that this is likely going to affect us too. It already is affecting us and we're going to take care. But in the weeks that followed, since they've announced companies like Apple, Meta, Coinbase, all these companies are now coming out and saying that they've made similar adjustments to their employee compensation plan. So it's very much a game of like monkey see, monkey do. And it's like, shout out to the companies that are leading in this space saying, you know, we're going to take care of our people. Yeah, yeah. And it's not just tech, right? We know that inflation has shipped away wage gains for millions of Americans, Americans. And HR professionals know this. Like, So that's why they're like budgeting for salary increases in the future. Um, salary.com just did a survey in February uh, or March of this year with almost 1,200 compensation decision makers. And what they found is really interesting. It's that companies have increased their merit increases, which is huge, to higher levels, right? Mm -hmm. They don't have to do that. But like, again, you want to keep people, Mm -hmm. you need to make these adjustments. Because again, I remember those days where it was like, all right, what's the merit? It was like 1.2%, 1.5%. But basically, the survey from salary.com identified that merit increases were uh, significantly higher than they've been uh, in recent years. And so a couple of highlights from that survey, 
First is that 73% of U.S. organizations are targeting a payroll budget increase of 4% or uh-huh. more this year, right? So this is really, really cool. Again, I remember the 2%. one and a half, oh, two, yeah. two was good. Two was real right? good. But like they're at least like acknowledging that, hey, like if we want to keep people, we, we got to really um, bring the heat. So 73% of U.S. organizations are targeting a payroll budget increase of 4% or more. So hopefully you listeners are out there, a part of the or more uh-huh. uh, team, because we know that quite but honestly, inflation we've seen is as, is as high as 8.5%. Mm-hmm. Um, 43% of organizations are growing their merit increase budgets by 5% or more. And then a quarter of survey respondents also mentioned that they're awarding more variable pay. So things like bonuses right. and like incentive payments, all of these things are kind of efforts to offset what we were just talking about, inflation, and the size of those payouts have all increased. For example, 52% of the respondents said that variable pay represented 5% or more of their actual payroll, which is up from 39% who said the same thing last year. Right. So it's, it's just really, really cool. All across the board, we're seeing more merit increases, more merit increases at a higher percentage than we've seen in prior years. And we're seeing mm-hmm. more bonuses and other things being offered to employees to offset the cost of inflation and also just to attract more people. And so if you're out there in the job market, again, it's it's typical, right? This is yeah. the recession or the threat of a recession. We don't really know. And we know this sometimes leads to layoffs. But on the positive side, like if you play your cards right, this can actually lead to something working out in a much better situation for yeah. you. Yeah. And I think that's a, a good segue because generally when it comes to positive news, there's really two vantage points or two ways of looking at it. Yeah. There's the view of seeing it from where we were. And then there's the view of seeing it of where we need to be. Mm -hmm. And that kind of determines whether you see the news of more companies offering four and five percent increases as a positive thing versus like it's still not enough. Right. We're choosing to see it as a positive thing because the reality is we've known that wages haven't kept track with inflation for over 40 years. Right. right? (laughs) That's what we talk about all the time. We use that as a catalyst for entrepreneurship or starting a side hustle because we bring it up to the to people like your wages aren't going to keep up with your lifestyle. But if you had asked me a year ago, whether I could see companies inching up that merit increase from one and a half, two percent, I would have said absolutely not. Like I just did not see this coming. And so it's still not where it needs to be. I'd be much happier with like a 10% increase, but it is a positive trend. And it's something that people should be aware of. If you might be using the recession and the layoffs as a reason to stop looking for employment, you should always be looking for employment. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. Uh, Let's take a quick break for an ad and we'll be right back. Okay. So we left off talking about employer adjustments, but I think another positive trend along those lines is the fact that According to the U.S. Census, there's been a record number of new businesses, about 9.8 million. I'm just going to go ahead and call that 10. 10. Yeah, round uh, up. Started <laughs> in the last two years. I yes. think that's pretty cool. I love this stat. And I think one of the more interesting parts about this trend is how young entrepreneurship as a viable career path is like taking root in the minds of Gen Z, right? Yeah. When people ask me what's the one thing that I would do differently if I were looking back, that's my answer every single time. I would have started a business sooner. Yeah. Like much sooner. So like I'm really excited about this. Right. So like in 2019, they did a study and the average age of an entrepreneur who hired at least one employee was 42. 
right? Back wow. then, that's still how they were measuring entrepreneurships and sex, su- woo. <laughs> successful businesses was the ability to hire one person. Yeah. But now that number, that age is actually decreasing. And with other types of business ownership becoming more mainstream, like solopreneurship, which is essentially a company of one, mm-hmm. or full-time freelancing or dualpreneurship, where you still kind of work at a nine to five, but you have this business, we're seeing the average age of owners and the types of businesses they own become more expansive. So Junior Achievement is an organization that I used to volunteer with extensively. And they just did a survey back in December citing that 60%, 60% of 13 to 17-year-old respondents reported wanting to start their own business instead of working as an employee at a traditional job. That's interesting. Right? And while some may chalk that up to just youthful naivete, right? Another way to look at it is that's what they see, which is ultimately the same way that we picked our careers. (laughs) You just pick something you saw, right? And so they're on their phones all day, seeing some of their favorite people, AKA friends in their heads, making a ton of money off of content, or they're launching retail brands, or they're creating boutiques where they sell clothing exclusively on Instagram. The point is technology has just made it really easy to start a business at any age. So it's no wonder that the kids are doing that, right? Like nobody should be surprised. And so when you add the combination of things that we know as adults that you ultimately need, which is other support, whether it's virtual or, you know, in-house digital tools, just the low cost of getting started, you really have a ripe environment for people to just try without betting the farm. Yeah, and, and I think the risks of failures are lower now. Yeah. Right? So like another way of putting it is like once you've once you've created something or anything really, you have like some strong backup options, even if it doesn't work out. Exactly. And, and I think people are realizing that, right? It's not the end of the world. Like I remember when I was growing up, it was like you start a business and it didn't go well, it kind of felt like you were done. Yeah. Like you're done. Like you're done for. You got to get a right. job now. And yes. it's not going to be a good job because like it's like you're off the track. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> and it's so funny because we would always talk about the, I would always hear about the failure rates of businesses. Yeah. Where it's like only 20% make it past five years. Yeah. And that was used as a means to dissuade you. But when you look at stats in other areas like marriages, <laughs> like over half of them fail. But that's not used as a reason to tell people not to get married. No. Because. Maybe, maybe not in, in your conversation. <laughs> right. Gen Z is a little different, but <laughs> but the point is, like it used to when when the barriers of failure, when the consequences of failure are reduced, those stats are are less powerful. They're they're kind of meaningless. Yeah, I think what a lot of people are realizing is how salvageable a failure of a business can be. Yeah, and so even if you started a business as an entrepreneur, it doesn't matter what it is, you know that you're kind of wearing all hats, and that's a part of. Of uh, of the challenge, right? It's the, the good side and the bad side. You're going to learn a lot really, really fast because that's a part of being a business owner in many cases. Uh, but even if that doesn't go well, now on the positive side, you you could do any number of things. Like like even us, for example, just going through the process of writing a book has now unlocked mm-hmm. an entire set of other income earning opportunities that we could do. If we wanted to do freelance writing or content writing or just storytelling jobs, mm-hmm. like any of those Ghost things writing, kind of open up. Ghost editing. writing, copy editing, you name it. Like all of those things are, have, are our product or a byproduct of this entrepreneurial experience that we've gone through. We talk about uh, making content all the time. And I, you know this, I talk about it probably too many times. I'm sure <laughs> I've said it 10 times on this podcast, but for as long as I can remember, I wanted to 
learn how to record and edit video. I waited until, mm-hmm. you know, just a couple of years ago to really start doing it and then doing it at a high level. And now it's probably one of the most lucrative skills that I've I've developed. And it's also something that I really enjoy. And so whether it's that or photography or graphic design, any of these kind of creative uh, supplemental skills that I've been able to add to my marketing experience as a marketer, like now, if I had to go get a job, like I have so many different paths that I am technically qualified for. And I think a lot of people are recognizing that that's a positive side of entrepreneurship. So again, or dualpreneurship. So it just really helps people to do kind of what we always talk about, but definitely emphasize in the book is focus on income earning opportunities, which might be supplemental to your traditional job. Yeah. And I think it's just about knowing what kinds of companies are looking for that and then adjusting your search accordingly, Mm -hmm. right? Will I get hired at some big institution that shuns on creative thinking and problem solving? Probably not. In fact, they might be offended by some of my views. But if I can find another maybe scrappy startup founder or a lean company that's actually looking for someone who can think around several issues at the same time, those jobs exist. And you just have to know where to look for them and be willing to adjust the story in your head about what you're good at so that you catch their attention. Yeah, yeah. No, I love it. All right. Uh, I think we've got one more. Yes. Uh, well, I don't know that this is kind of a positive. I'm kind of. <laughs> you have one job. You know, three rain, positive raining. trends. Well, <laughs> I think we gave, we gave three. I mean, yeah, we closed that last one in about Listen, the positive trend of this, entrepreneurship and job hunting. I'm still going to mention it. Maybe I can find a way to kind of squeeze out a positive part here. But basically, it's that Americans are doing what Americans do, <laughs> and that's spend money. Um, <laughs> but I think it's interesting because, like, again, you would think. That despite the rise of inflation and the high rate of inflation, that we would see some type of curtailing a little bit, but uh, we have not, right? No. Recent data has suggested that we actually haven't seen that. Uh, and so consumer spending is actually still outpacing inflation, which basically means that, you know, despite the general increase yeah. in the cost of goods, there really has not been a, a full scale well, cutback cut at all. Yeah. In fact, we're still we're spending more. Yeah, it's easy to dismiss an yeah. increase in consumer spending as like, oh, that's because of inflation. Well, right. unless it's outpacing inflation, right? Then it's because of demand. Correct. And when you add demand to inflationary times, it just causes more prices to go up. Yeah. Right. It's it's a little bit backwards. Yeah, people are genuinely worried. Yeah, and I think. To, to save you and make this positive. <laughs> I appreciate it. I was, I was trying to squeeze it out. I couldn't find it. Yeah. I think the positive piece, and this is a bit of a reach, but the positive piece is that if you have been listening to this podcast, you actually have the chance to create a soft landing for yourself, regardless of what happens. Whether we go into a recession or not, whether you get laid off or not, You have the opportunity to use this time to invest, save, upskill, all the things that we talk about on a regular basis. And you should. You should go ahead and get started because we don't know how it's going to we don't know how it's going to end. So if you've been waiting for your sign, if you've been waiting for like the rock bottomness to hit, if you've been waiting for whatever it is that you think is going to get you motivated, just know that we're in a time where despite everything going on, Americans are still spending at a higher rate than inflation, right? So it's a little bit backwards. The yeah. rock bottom may not happen <laughs> for a while, but it's going to be hard when it hits. So yeah. go ahead and, and prepare yourself. And you have all the tools you need. That's the positive piece. I Okay, I can ride with that. <laughs> that's, a, that's a fair point. Yeah. All right. Um, final thoughts. Positive Pam, yeah. Peggy. 
positive Peggy. I think, I think my final thought is just to get creative, right? On top of like getting started, I think if anything, get started on the stuff you already know, the stuff you've already been learning, but also get creative and be prepared to and open to undoing some of the decisions that you might have made previously. Like I mentioned, I'm in a group with a woman um, who decided to turn down her four-week 401k contributions for a couple months in order to beef up her emergency fund. Like in normal times, people probably would have advised her to do something different, but she is evaluating inflation. She's looking at the bear market and she's looking at her expected expenses for the year. And she decided that she doesn't want to put money into something that she doesn't have immediate access to, you know, without paying a penalty. And the point is she can explain her reasons And she's comfortable with them. She obviously shared them with the group to make sure she wasn't missing anything. But I was really pleasantly surprised to see how many of us were like, you know what, sis, that makes sense. Like, yeah, do that. And I think more of us need to be like her. Like, that's a positive trend that more people are getting creative. They're thinking through decisions that they have made in the past for normal times and they're adjusting them as needed. Yeah, I, uh, I I agree with that. Um, I am going to make a rare pivot here as I was thinking about what my positive or final thought is going to be. Because I don't normally um, subscribe to the idea of, oh, stocks are on sale. Yeah. You know, this is a buy opportunity. But um, but if we're being honest, this, that's exactly what this moment is, right? Um, and so I would say the, one of the most important things I would say to people who are concerned about their investing or if you're just starting your investing journey, this is a really, really great time. Like we always say that, that any day or the time is now was always a good time to start investing. But this is a really great time mm-hmm. to start investing for those reasons, right? Even as things or if you see things get rocky, don't pay attention to what's happening in the short run. Like you might invest a thousand dollars today, and tomorrow it might be seven hundred and fifty dollars. Right. Do not be discouraged by that. This is a such an incredible opportunity for a lot of people to build incredible amounts of wealth. And so, I would say, um, focus on learning. Focus on absorbing as much as you can about investing as quickly as you can during this time period so that you can get back to focusing on earning income and applying what you've learned during this particular period of time. Yes. Love it. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of the Rich and Regular podcast presented by Success. If you like what you heard, please take my advice and your positivity and get creative with that five-star rating and review. We will see you next week. Peace.